Water, earth, fire, air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed, and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he still has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to What's Appa, a rewatch podcast of the greatest show ever, Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Joyce. I'm Justin. And I'm Anand. And this week, we want to give a special shout out to our friend Gia, who read the intro. This is episode 30 of our podcast, where we'll be discussing the desert. All right. So picking up right where we left off in the last episode of the library, we have Team Avatar stranded in the desert without Appa. And so we open with them all looking in different directions, all standing apart from each other, kind of dejected. And we see them stranded in this desert, all desolate and nowhere to go. And one thing I just wanted to point out is I think the music in this episode does a really good job of um, kind of describing and depicting how alone they are in the middle of nowhere. Like we see we hear the singing horn in the background and we hear this lone drumbeat in the background emphasizing that. There's just like nothing there. And that's mm-hmm. cool. We, we, we hear that throughout the episode. Yeah. And I just thought it, I was really struck by how far apart from each other they're standing and how they're looking off into the distance, like really not engaged with each other. And so I just thought, oh, they're probably contemplating their imminent death uh, now that they don't have Appa. But I read online that somebody saying that they're, oh, they're all looking in different directions for Appa. So I don't know. That's another interpretation. But mm. I feel like it's pretty low. A pretty low moment right now. Mm-hmm. Another thing I noticed is that while this is a very sad moment in the show, the coloring choices are still very like warm and yellow. So whereas normally I would have expected, you know, more muted colors, blues and purples, which kind of goes to show how imposing the desert atmosphere is on even the mood of the characters in the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Aang approaches Toph and he yells at her, how could you let them take Appa? Why didn't you stop them? And Toph says, I couldn't. The library was sinking and you guys were still inside. And Aang says, you could have come to get us. I could have saved him. And he continues, you just didn't care. You never liked Appa. You wanted him gone. Um, and yeah, right off the bat, we see Aang totally morphing into this person who we don't even know or don't is completely unrecognizable um you know like we haven't seen him like this at all um and it's pretty crazy in the opposite direction of his personality up until this point and um yeah he looks pretty menacing here he's animated he's his animation is really scary and this is also a good connection to the chase uh, because that was like the last time that Toph really engaged with Appa and that was like the first time that we saw Aang get really protective of Appa as well um, mm. at least recently when she was like oh the only reason they know where we are is because Shetty over here is you know <laughs> revealing our location and so this is maybe what Aang is referring to when he's like oh you never liked Appa you wanted him gone Mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense uh, and then Katara butts in. She's like, Aang, stop it. You know Toph did all she could. She saved our lives. Yeah. And I think I think this scene, this opening scene is so interesting because you see there's so much that's revealed 
about their moods just by looking at their facial expressions. And when mm-hmm. Katara says this, Toph is looking away towards the ground. And I think in this episode, we see different sides of all the characters, but especially it's so like it's so interesting how we see Toph not being sassy, not being super brash, but she's she feels so guilty, clearly. And then through the rest of the episode, she's just so dejected and I don't know, just lifeless almost like there's no energy. And Toph has always been this really feisty character. Um, mm-hmm. So it was really sad to see her um, so hurt right now by Aang's words. Mm-hmm. And then Sokka, meanwhile, is like, who's going to save our lives now? We'll never make it out of here. And Aang says, that's all you guys care about yourselves. You don't care whether Appa's OK or not. And Katara's like, nah, we do care, but we can't afford to be fighting right now. And then Aang all stubborn and mad is like, I'm going after Appa and he flies away by himself. And then Katara mm-hmm. kind of takes a leadership of the situation right away. And she says, we have to start walking. We're the only ones who know about the solar eclipse. We have to get this information to Bossing Say. And to me, this actually seemed like a line that Sokka would say. It seems like a very Sokka thing to say. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously in this episode, as we'll talk later on, Katara does take leadership of the group. And maybe this is just setting it up right away that Katara is kind of the leader of this episode. Mm-hmm. So then we get a glimpse of Zuko and Iroh. And the first thing we see is they're riding on the ostrich horse and Iroh is gagging in the background. <laughs> uh, you know, a little bit of comedic lightness after everything we just witnessed. And Zuko kind of like recommends or says like, you know, in passing, like, hey, maybe we should stop. And I think he's probably saying this as a courtesy to Iroh. And the Iroh being, you know, Iroh, he's like, oh, don't worry, we don't have to stop. And then you just see him in the background just like moaning and complaining about it. <laughs> and at some point, Zuko like obviously is like had it enough. So they stop. Um, but then they immediately hear something. And guess what? It's the rough rhinos. Um, and they encircle them and Iroh, you know, he's having a good time bantering with them. He says, Colonel (laughs) Monkey, what a pleasant surprise. And the first thing I thought was like, Colonel Monkey, that's a pretty sick name. It's actually (laughs) M-O-N-G-K-E, like Monkey, like Monka-esque. Uh, (laughs) so I did a little bit of research. It didn't seem that his name was attributed to anything, but Mm -hmm. on the wiki, uh, his name is... Menka, which roughly translates to like Mongolian brother. And there's a Khan called Monke Khan, who is the fourth Khan of the Mongol Mughal Empire, um, which is kind of cool. Mm. And he like under him, they conquered Iraq and Syria. But I think the funniest thing is like if you look up a picture of uh, Monke Khan and then you look up a picture of Colonel Monka, they look like they both have like a beard situation going on. That's like a biker beard. I don't know. They look kind of <laughs> so, oh, it's not might be funny. official, but I, I don't know. It's pretty close attribution, I think. Yeah, I think you discovered something new. Yeah. And anyway, Zuko's had enough of the banter. He goes, you know, these guys uh, and then, you know, they go back and forth, but eventually they attack and Iron and Zuko go into this whole like pretty cool fight scene mm-hmm. yeah it's a pretty cool fight scene one thing i just wanted to point out here is zuko is fighting this archer guy in the beginning and the archer shoots an arrow at zuko and zuko just chops it in half with his hand and i'm <laughs> like that is so op go back and rewatch it how does that even work i don't know that's but, a good uh, catch <laughs> yeah. yeah it's kind of it's pretty ridiculous and this guy's a Yuyan archer, too. Exactly, yeah. That's, yeah. that's unbelievable. And it's close range. Like, are you kidding me, Zuko? Like, 
reflexes of a ninja right there. Yeah. Wow, that's such a good catch. Yeah, I read something online about the Rough Rhinos later too, where they're supposed to be this super capable, super <laughs> yeah. renowned group, like elite, right? Like the Navy SEALs like we talked about. But the only times we ever see them in this series, they're just completely failing at life, like every <laughs> single time, which is so funny. Um, yeah. I think another uh, like small uh, detail about this battle is Iroh's fighting somebody and he like spanks this like rhino at one point. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you guys remember. <laughs> and the rhino runs away. And and I don't know, there's like a chain that's like around this other person on another rhino and this rhino drags the other person away. Um, and Iroh waves goodbye quickly in the background. So um, yeah, nice. go back and look nice. for that one too. Yeah. <laughs> the animation, it's like, it's like a cosmic spank too. He like really... <laughs> Smack that. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Yes. Um and and meanwhile, there's this like Iron Man looking guy who's like throwing (laughs) bombs at them. He's got this mask and everything, but uh they managed to get away on their ostrich horse. You know, Zuko's gotten a lot of mileage out of stealing this ostrich horse. Uh, Uh yeah. And Ira says, it's nice to see old friends. And Zuko says, Too bad you don't have any old friends who don't want to attack you. And then Iroh says, hmm, old friends who don't want to attack me. He's got this like contemplative look on his face. Yeah, it's so funny because he was looking so concerned while this dawned on him. Um, but then later in this episode, we get to see the Order of the White Lotus. And I it was so cool because when we see them, it brings it brought me back to this comment where I'm like, wow, Zuko making fun of Iroh is actually the whole thing, the thing that sparked them going to look for the Order of the White Lotus in the first place. So, uh-huh, you uh-huh. know, sometimes Zuko shitting on Iroh actually works out for the best. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, so then we go to Team Avatar minus Aang because he's ditched everybody to go look for Appa, which is totally fair because that is probably their best chance of survival at the moment. Mm-hmm. But they're walking through the desert and they all look very tired and their cheeks are rosy and, you know, I don't know, they're, they have heat stroke or whatever. Uh, but this actually made me think back to the chase episode where we talked about this concept in animation called an SPC, which stands mm. for a special pose or costume of a character. Because in the chase, we talked about how uh, in like the Avatar extras and stuff, they said that the animators had a lot of fun with the episode since they got to explore, you know, super fatigued characters. I think maybe in Zuko alone too, this came up where he was really like skinny and, you know, mm-hmm. malnourished. But then in this episode, they're, you know, dying of like heat and dehydration. So I don't know. It just kind of made me think of that again. Um, and then also, if you look really closely in these shots, you can see actual sweat stains on the character's clothes. Like it kind of looks like shadows, but you can see them like around their neck area. It's just like darker. And I don't know. It's a, it's a nice detail. But mm-hmm. yeah, they're struggling. And Toph asks for some water. And Katara's like, OK, but we've got to try to conserve it. Yeah. And one note here is that Katara splits the water into three and feeds Toph, Sokka and Momo. But she actually doesn't drink any water. So she's being really selfless here. Like, what a leader. What a true leader of the team. Yeah. I didn't even notice that. That's cool. But also, like, Sokka and Toph get, like, an equal amount of water. And then Momo gets, like, a blob of water that's, like, his size. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, I don't know. There could have been some more equitable distribution of water here. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Um, 
Yeah, but then Sokka finds his own way to get even more water because he sees a cactus and he cuts it open and starts drinking the liquid. And Katara says, Sokka, wait, you shouldn't be eating strange plants. And Sokka's like, there's water trapped inside these. Um, And at first I was like, Katara, what you talking about? This is seriously a good survival move Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, that's what they say. Cactuses, cacti store the water in in the plants and stuff. Um, So if you're ever in a desert... I don't know. I feel like this comes to mind because of some magic school bus episode where they're in the desert and they all have to like go to the cacti and get water. But this is actually a popular myth that cacti store water, um, which can be used if you're thirsty and trapped in the desert, because in reality, many cacti are actually poisonous and contain some many contain hallucinogens such as mescaline. Um, but yeah, so I think this is, you know, directly inspired by a lot of cacti species that you may find in the desert um Mm -hmm. whereas i thought this was just an excuse for them to get Sokka high and use him as comedic (laughs) relief but um i think mescaline has properties which induce uh, psychedelic experiences similar to lsd um Mm -hmm. yeah so the cactus that they feature in this episode resembles this fish hook barrel cactus but it actually shares the hallucinogenic properties of a cactus called the peyote cactus, which can be found Mm -hmm. in southwestern Texas and central Mexico. Um, And then one final fun fact about this, you know, the quenchy cactus juice is there's actually this Avatar cookbook called Avatar The Last Airbender Cookbook, Official Recipes from the Four Nations. And... The sh- uh, one of the chefs that worked on it, Jenny Dorsey, she actually wanted to include cactus juice in the cookbook <laughs> and it would be, you know, uh, like an alcoholic beverage of sorts. It, it was maybe going to include uh, CBD, but the idea was rejected by Nickelodeon um, pretty, pretty obviously. But it's cool, actually, that this like, you know, this whole soccer being high thing is even allowed to be in the yeah, episode. For sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. very on the news. It really is. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. I guess I learned something. And, you know, in the future, if I'm ever in a desert, I guess I will think twice before <laughs> cutting open a cactus and drinking the liquid. Yeah. I actually had another thought here, which might be related to some future foreshadowing. There's a lot of foreshadowing, I feel like, in this season. But there are other instances, especially later in this episode, where Katara you know, drops some water in the sand and she has to bend it out of the sand. And Mm. then at some point, Aang bends the water from the cloud. Mm. So why didn't Katara think to bend the water out of the cactus? And then maybe she could have become a bloodbender faster. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. She's still not there yet. (laughs) Yeah. I thought of bloodbending too when she uh, bended the water out of the sand as well. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, she's baby steps, baby steps. Baby steps. Um. One final thing I read online about the cactus juice was, oh, Katara should totally just take this cactus juice and bend it and just throw it at people, get them high, (laughs) use it as a weapon. Um, Yeah, pretty funny. (laughs) It's actually Ozai's demise. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Cactus juice. Um, Yes. And then Katara's like, yeah, I don't know about it. And then Sokka has this whole um, hallucination scene where he... You know, where he says the iconic cactus juice commercial, drink cactus juice, it'll quench you. Nothing's quenchier. It's the quenchiest. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just so funny and so iconic. Uh, you know, it's one of those quotable 
Mm -hmm. That's super great. And then uh, we cut to the Misty Palms Oasis once again. And our favorite duo, Master Yu and Shin Fu, uh, are looking for Toph. (laughs) And they'll also be a recurring pair of characters throughout the rest of the season. And Mm -hmm. they're kind of just looking for Toph and they're talking to people. And then some guy says that they went into the desert, but it's too bad. There's almost no chance they survived. Um, little do they know. Um, mm-hmm. And then Shin Fu uh, notices some Fire Nation posters and then they go look at it. And I just thought it was kind of cool. The Fire Nation wanted posters shows Aang, Zuko and Iroh, the blue spirit. And then it also shows Zhang Zhang and Che from the Deserter episode, which I thought was a cool little bit of continuity right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. it's funny that like amongst like you know the exiled prince the avatar there's just che, yeah. <laughs> che. che. what a guy he's a nice to have i guess yeah <laughs> <laughs> bonus points for che it's um, like mom i made it <laughs> <laughs> extra credit to bring che in as well yeah. um yeah so i just thought it was cool how Zuko's technically on there twice, and I was like, mm, what a bad boy. We love oh, bad boy. Yeah. He's on there as himself and as the spirit. <laughs> Zuko yeah. wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then uh, the duo go into the bar looking for Iro and Zuko. So then it cuts back to Team Avatar, and the first establishing shot here is pretty cool. It's like an aerial shot, like almost like we're on a drone looking down on the desert, and it's like this pretty panoramic shot of Katara, Toph, and Sokka walking together. Yeah, and then we can see their shadows are reflected really huge against the sand. And this reminded me of this National Geographic picture that's, I guess, kind of famous. But it's it looks like a bunch of camels, black camels, walking in the mm-hmm. desert. But if you look closer, it's actually an aerial view of the camels and it's the shadows projecting onto the sand that make it look like a bunch of camels walking in the desert. And it's, really, it's just a really cool shot. So I thought that was a cool, cool little thing mm-hmm. they did there. Yeah, I, I thought of the same picture as well. And I just think there are so many amazing cinematography moments in this episode. I feel like uh, we'll see it later, too, as it starts to get dark. There are a lot of different colors, different uh, views, like really big, emphasizing how huge this desert is and how bleak their chances are of escaping. Um, but yeah, I thought this was very beautiful and mm-hmm. sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one other small detail. Uh, there was a scene earlier we didn't cover because there wasn't too much going on, but Aang is flying out of the desert looking for Appa and he blows the bison whistle. Mm-hmm. But as he flies, there's this establishing top-down shot again of him flying over the desert. And his shadow as the dunes rise and fall, like changes size based mm. off like where the dune yeah. is. And I'm like, they easily could have just like made the shadow the same size, but they went through the effort of like showing that. So yeah. It's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. good catch. Yeah. But speaking of Aang, Aang now returns to Team Avatar. And Katara says, I'm sorry, Aang. I know it's been hard for you right now, but we need to focus on getting out of here. And Aang in his, you know, Zuko, Ting Aang, he's like, what's the difference? We won't survive without Appa. Uh, and it's pretty funny in the background. <laughs> Toph is just like slumped over. She's like feeling pretty sad about losing Appa. And Sokka is just like completely lost in his trip. Um, and he says... 
uh, what about the circle birds? And his head is just like going in a circle um, and they look up and it's just a bunch of giant buzzard wasps. Yeah. So just a little bit of avatar world animal detail. Um, these creatures are six legged insects that have a vulture like head and a wasp like body. So, yeah, just good to know they're part, wa- uh, part vulture because I could not put my finger on like what mm. they mm-hmm. were mixed with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They kind of reminded me of those weird creatures in the Great Divide. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. A lot of bugs. Yeah. Man. Oh, my gosh. They definitely creeped me out just as much. I couldn't decide which ones I liked or which ones I hated more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Katara looks around. You know, Team Avatar is kind of given up. They're all just sitting on the desert floor in their various poses and she's had enough. She says, Ugh, we're getting out of this desert and we're going to do it together. Aang, get up. Everyone hold hands. We can do this. We have to. Yeah, and this is just a great moment for Katara as a character. She really becomes the one who holds everyone together and this is her time to shine. Everyone is out of it completely and she's able to you know, bring everyone together and actually get them to move. So I think this is her, her time to shine. And Mm -hmm. it makes up for all the annoyingness that she has been in various other episodes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think I read that somewhere, too. I think season one, her optimism is a little naive and annoying. But here you actually see how sometimes you do need people like that. um, Mm -hmm. They can really Mm -hmm. pull through in dire circumstances. And just another thing about everybody else in the team being completely out of it. Somebody pointed out online that Aang is out of it emotionally, Toph is out of it physically, and Sokka is out of it mentally. So I thought it was cool that um, everybody is, you know, I don't know, like all the the areas are covered by the rest of the team um, or portrayed. Cool. So Katara asks Sokka for some of the documents he stole, and they have like a little tiff where... Sokka's like, oh, what map are you talking about? Um, Anyway, they find a constellation map of how to get out of the desert. And Aang says, it doesn't matter. None of those will tell us where Appa is. But Katara responds, no, but we can find out which way Ba Sing Se is. We can use the stars to guide us. That way we can travel at night when it's cool and rest during the day. Yeah, and I just, I love how Katara is shining so much in this episode. Um, But I also wanted to point out a little bit of like facial expression detail that we see here. So when um, when Katara's like, no, but we can find out which way Bossing Say is, I just thought it was a little sassy. And I think (laughs) it was cool because she raises her eyebrow and it's just like a tiny bit sassy, but she obviously keeps it together either because she's just as tired as everybody else or because she's trying to not cause any more like additional conflict. I like to think it's the latter because I'm like, damn, if I were in this situation and Aang was giving me attitude, I feel like I would go off on him. (laughs) Um, But I think Katara does a really great job of keeping it together. But you can see a little bit of her like annoyance, I feel like, when she responds here. Mm -hmm. Um, Cool. So next scene is back to the Misty Palms and Zuko is like, no one here is going to help us. These people look like filthy wanderers. 
Um, which is just like, ah, Zuko, you're so <laughs> annoying still. When can you stop being annoying? Um, and then Iroh's like, so do we. And Iroh looks at this old man across the bar and says, I think we found our friend. And this guy is sitting at a pie show table and Zuko's like, oh, you brought us here to gamble on pie show? And Iroh's like, I don't think this is a gamble. Uh, meanwhile, Shinfu and Master Yu are sitting in the corner and they're just spying on them. And Shinfu is like, I don't want to grab him now. And Master <laughs> Yu is like, we need to be patient because if anybody finds out that we're collecting a bounty, they may, you know, we might have to fight them all off. And then he's like, patience. And I read this online, but somebody was like, oh, Master Yu, even though he's kind of just, uh, you know, in some ways, like a charlatan who just wants to, like, you know, get people's money and, like, start his earthbending franchise. He's also a master of neutral jing, where Ooh. he's, like, waiting for the right moment to strike here. And yeah. uh, he's trying to calm down Shin Fu um, and not, you know, kind of not uh, get too hot-headed. So, anyways, Iroh goes over and he's like, may I have this game? And he puts down the first piece. And this guy, whose name is Fung, apparently, even though we never hear that, says, I see you favor the white lotus gambit. Not many still cling to the ancient ways. And Iroh's like, those who do can always find a friend. And then they start playing really fast and they form this white lotus pattern on the board. And Fung's like, welcome, brother. The white lotus opens wide to those who know her secrets. Yeah, so I guess it's just kind of cool that there's this secret, really cryptic, like secret society thing going on. And this also shows us why Ira was so concerned about losing his white lotus tile in the waterbending scroll. Uh, um, yeah. And yeah, this is the first time we explicitly hear about this, the white lotus, whatever it is. I mean, we still don't know a ton, but we're about to find out. And then Zuko is sitting there on the side observing this game as he says, what are you old gas bags talking about? <laughs> um, and I don't know, like Zuko has been really rude throughout this show, but for some reason this statement shook me to my core because he's always really mean to Iroh. But there's this, just this old man who has barely said anything and he's just like, what are you, an old gas bag? Um, I don't know. I thought it was just... I don't know. I thought it was like really bad. And then Iroh was like, I always tried to tell you that Pi Show is more than just a game. And I thought, ah, SMH Iroh, you can't respond to gas bag. <laughs> <laughs> he has no dignity. Um, anyways, then Shin Fu gets up because he's just lost his patience and he tries to pursue Zuko and Iroh. But then Fung actually gets up and starts making a big ruckus about, oh, I knew they were fugitives and I knew you could collect a whole bunch of gold um, for if you turn them in. And so everybody else in the whole bar kind of perks up and then this bar brawl breaks out and Zuko and Iroh are able to get away. Um, and just something I found out in my research or realized in my research is that they actually leave the ostrich horse at the bar and we never see the ostrich horse again. So it's just like the cherry wow. on top of disrespecting this animal, <laughs> taking <laughs> it, stealing it and just ditching it at this uh, bar. Although I'm sure it will come in handy to its next owner. Um, very much. Horse. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Sad. So then we cut back to the gang in the desert and night has fallen. Um, and Katara wakes them all up because they have to travel when it's cold. 
and Aang sees an appa-shaped cloud floating in the sky and gets super excited. Um, but then they realize, no, it's just a cloud. And then Sokka is like, Appa? But why would Princess Yue need him? She's the moon. She flies by herself. Um, <laughs> yeah, Sokka's hilarious this episode. Um, and the guitar is like, wait, a cloud. Fly up there and bend the water from that cloud into my pouch. And yeah, you know, the fortune teller episode kind of came in handy in the end. They, she, she learned a thing or two about, about clouds and, and bending them, that they're made of water. So mm, good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, just Aang looks so irritated at her when she's like, that's not Appa. That's a cloud. Duh. Go bend it. OK. <laughs> Aang's like, I don't know. Yeah. He's really annoyed. Yeah. And then Katara looks in the bag that Aang collected the water in and she's like, wow, there's hardly any in here. And Aang's like, I'm sorry. OK, I did all I could. What's anyone else doing? What are you doing? Pointing at Katara. Ah. Uh. I feel like this is the worst thing he does this whole episode. It's like yeah. really just coming for Katara. And I was like, Aang, you are such a douchebag. And I want to understand you because you obviously lost Appa, who is like the closest being to you. But I was like, Katara, you really want this man? <laughs> You're really going to put up with this? But I guess, you know, for the sake of everybody else, she doesn't she doesn't respond. Um, yeah, she, you're yeah. right. She does show some good restraint right there because... <laughs> That's pretty She's unfair. clearly doing everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and Katara just kind of mutters under her breath, I'm trying to keep everyone together. Let's just get moving. And so they keep trudging along and Toph suddenly falls. And Toph is like, crud, I'm so sick of not feeling where I'm going. And what idiot buried a boat in the middle of the desert? Yeah. So I just thought crud. Hmm. I should use that one more. It's pretty good uh, <laughs> expression for uh, when you're distressed. But I thought also maybe the same idiot who buried a library in the middle of the desert. (laughs) I was like, maybe if they will unveil Wang Shitong. Nah, unfortunately not. Actually, actually, that's fortunate for them because that would not be great. And so Aang just effortlessly blows away the sand to reveal the sand sailor. And then Katara's like, oh, there's a compass on it. It can get us out of here. And then. They're all a little more hopeful now and they start sailing away. So as they're sailing, Katara notices a small compass on the sand sailing boat. uh, And she realizes like it might be pointing their way out to the desert. Uh, Turns out it's pointing to this massive rock in the middle of the desert. And Katara says, it must be the magnetic center of the desert. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. She sounded really excited when she said this. And I was like, um, why? You're not trying to go to the center of the desert. <laughs> I was like, no, you're aggressing. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Toph says, a rock? Yes, let's go. And the Katara says, maybe we can find some water there, which is like, why would that be the case? I don't know. And then Aang <laughs> says, maybe we can find some sandbenders. Yeah, and his expression here really reminded me of the way Katara looks when she's trying to find the Southern Raiders guy. Um, mm, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty scary. Yeah, I think I maybe read somewhere. Yeah, but it's interesting that Aang says, Aang doesn't say maybe we can find Appa. He's like, maybe we can find some sandbenders. Because the mm. only thing on his mind is revenge rather than like mm. finding Appa at the moment. Wow. Yeah, so the next scene is them at the rock, and Toph is so thankful to be back on solid ground. She starts doing these dirt angels, which are like snow angels, but in the dirt. And then 
they find this little cave, actually a big cave. And Toph says, oh, I think this cave was carved by something. And they're exploring into the cave. And Toph is like, there's something buzzing in here. So then these disgusting buzzard wasps come out of the hive. And yeah, I just thought this is, okay, my top three grossest avatar world animals are this, the canyon crawlers, and the giant fly that Sokka took a bite out of in the swamp episode. Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) So horrible. Um, (laughs) So yeah, three worst animals here. Um, So they start fighting the wasp things and Sokka is being unhelpful and Katara doesn't have any water and Aang is, I don't know, one of the wasps takes Momo. So Aang goes after him. So they're pretty helpless. Um, Katara's and Toph is blind. So and can't (laughs) see the wasps, which are airborne. So Katara actually helps Toph. Uh, and tells her where to shoot the rocks, which was just some really great teamwork coming from Katara and Toph, you know? Yeah, and I think Katara also kind of helps everyone out of their funks this episode. Not as much with with Sokka, but here we see with Toph, like, them working together, which is which is nice. And then Aang eventually gets close enough to the Wasp to free Momo, and then, meanwhile, like Momo joins Aang and the wasp is retreating, but Aang actually goes and kills it, basically. Like we see him swipe it out of the air with his airbending and then it thuds onto the ground um, in a way that doesn't seem recoverable. Um, <laughs> and I just thought, wow. I mean, first kill, maybe? I don't know. I don't know if he's killed anything, really. Uh, whoa, so whoa, far whoa. In the series. End of... Season oh, one. Oh, except for when he massacred everyone. That's not confirmed. This seems more confirmed. Yeah. Well, he's not in Avatar State now. So it, it is a different, it's more of like a conscious choice, you know, which is interesting. Also, I was reading online that if you look closely when the buzzard wasp goes down, it actually falls down in two pieces. They're actually what? two separate pieces. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is that a conspiracy? Because so you... I read that too, but then people were like, "No, that's not. No, that can't no, be." No, watch, watch it. There are two separate okay. things. So uh, yeah, yeah I, I think it is dead. But yeah, <laughs> I think I think it is pretty striking. This was the, a very conscious choice to kill something that he didn't did not like did not have to. So yeah. Oh, also, I guess in season one finale. They're actually all, I mean, the Fire Nation or Fire Nation Army is threatening everybody and there's an active threat. But then in this case, the wasp, like he already got Momo back and the wasp was just flying away. Yeah. He chose to just like inflict more pain. Yeah. So then back to Katara helping Toph. Toph finishes with this massive rock wall move that just gets the wasps to all retreat. Um, and then a bunch of sandbenders appear. So then we cut back to Iroh and Zuko, and previously Iroh had gone into this secretive room in a flower shop with Fung, um, and so the next morning, I guess, uh, they come out of the room um, <laughs> to meet I- to meet Zuko, and Iroh says, everything is taken care of. We're heading to Ba Sing Se. And Zuko's like, why? And Fung says, the city is filled with refugees. No one will notice two more. And Iroh says, we can hide in plain sight there, and it's the safest place in the world from the Fire Nation. Even I couldn't break through the city. And I just really like this because, first of all, it's like now they're on a mission to go to Ba Sing Se. And last episode and this episode is the beginning of this huge arc over the second half of season two. And it's why I like season two so much, because they kind of do all kind of 
blend into each other because it's just such a good story arc and things kind of line up and slowly crescendo into this crazy epic finale where everyone kind of comes together. And I really just love how it's all kind of set up and how it reaches this climax. And so anyway, this is where it kind of starts to come together. Mm-hmm. And I also like mm-hmm. that uh, it's kind of, we see Iroh's arc here and it sets up Iroh's arc because he's obviously going back to Ba Sing Se where he first came as a Fire Nation, an elite Fire Nation member trying to take it over and he goes back as a refugee. Mm-hmm. Good points, good points. I'm so I'm getting uh, you're selling me on season two a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then it cuts cuts back to Team Avatar. They've been found by the Sandbenders, who actually kind of saved them from the rest of the Buzzard Wasps. And one of the Sandbenders says, "What are you doing in our land with a Sandbender sailor? From the looks of it, you stole it from the Hami tribe." And then Katara says that they found it and that they're traveling with the Avatar, hopefully to use that to get out of this awkward situation. Yeah, so I just thought it was cool that even like such a remote tribe in the desert have the reverence that they do for the Avatar because he's clearly kind of like, whoa, when they mention that, uh, when Katara mentions that they're traveling with the Avatar. However, I was like, okay, but they do trade with people who, you know, like they traded Oppo away to these merchants who are going to trade him and Bossing Say. So they're not super remote, but um, I just thought it was it was of note um, because mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, you never really know how people are going to react to the Avatar news as we've seen all different types of reactions are possible. So I thought it was cool that he actually like really respected the Avatar. Mm-hmm. And then Katara continues, our bison was stolen and we have to get to Ba Sing Se. And the younger of the two sandbenders says, you dare accuse our people of theft while you ride in a stolen sand sailor. And then Toph mutters i recognize the son's voice he's the one that stole appa i never forget a voice yeah and we saw toff regain some of her um you know abilities when katara is helping her earthbend but i just thought this was so cool toff has these insane other abilities that have to do with her senses being so much more amplified and the fact that she can just remember voices in addition to knowing when people are lying is so crazy um so i thought that was pretty cool so the uh dual episode saga of the fury of ang culminates in this final bit where ang is like you tell me where he is now and then uh shamo is like what did you do to his son and toff's like you said put a muzzle on him uh, to the son. And actually, we don't hear the son saying this in the library, but we actually only hear it in Appa's Lost Days. And someone online was saying it would have been cool to actually hear the son say put a muzzle on him in the last episode, because then as an audience, we could kind of figure it out with Toph, as opposed to only hearing the, you know, more only getting more details about what went down in Appa's Lost Days. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Aang loses it. This is the last straw. He's like, you muzzled Appa? So he goes into the Avatar state and starts destroying the rest of the sand sails. And he goes up to the sun, whose name is Goshwin? I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce it. But he does have a name. Um, and Aang goes up to him and he's using his Avatar voice, which is the voice of all the Avatars combined, which is so terrifying. And he says, 
tell me where Appa is. And then Goshwin says, I traded him to some merchants. He's probably in Ba Sing Se by now. They were going to sell him there. Please, we'll escort you out of the desert. We'll help you however we can. Um, and meanwhile, Sokka, Toph, and Katara are all standing behind Aang as he's kind of working up this tornado. Um, and Sokka takes Toph and tells her to run. But Katara continues to stand behind Aang and she's looking all sad, just like she does when Aang is in that much pain. Um, and I just thought it was interesting to note that Toph, it, that this is actually Toph's first time seeing Aang in the Avatar state. So uh. she's actually, I mean, she's stunned. She's frozen there. And Sokka's the one who actually takes her and takes her away to safety. Because, I mean, I think being near Aang when he's in that state is actually life-threatening, which... I mean, she yeah. can't really see him, can't she? That's true. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, I wonder what she thinks is going on. <laughs> she can Cuz she just sees a fuzzy version of the avatar state. Maybe okay, yeah, that's true cuz she's standing on sand. However, she can feel the wind and she's also heard his terrifying voice. So I feel yeah. like she's still pretty scary even if you can't see him glowing <laughs> yeah. and everything. <laughs> that's such a good point though. Um but yeah, uh Katara is still standing behind him and he's, you know, whipping up this tornado and Katara eventually grabs his wrist, which brings him back down to earth and out of the avatar state. And yeah, I guess I read online somebody saying actually being around him is, you know, life threatening. And in a way she's putting, you know, she's risking her life to, you know, make sure that he's okay. And it's just mm -hmm. like such an act of pure love. And I definitely like started crying here and then Katara just like holds him and he she's crying and he's crying and he slowly starts to come out of the avatar state where he's really angry but his expression just turns to from anger to sadness really letting it all out here um and it's it's very powerful yeah this was crazy powerful scene and I forgot it was even in this episode but yeah, I <laughs> I started like tearing up too. It was crazy. And then it ends so abruptly, like with Aang just letting it all out. And yeah, yeah, it, it is a very powerful scene. Yeah, I don't think I've I don't think I've gotten as emotional. I don't even think I got I don't think I even teared up at the end of season one when Princess Yue dies. Yeah, that's mm. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's she's, she's always with us. She's still the moon. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> you know. Yeah, her spirit lives on. On that sad note, even sadder than the last episode, let's get on to our ratings. Based on our conversation today, I'm going to give this episode a seven. Uh, I think Joyce brought up a really good comparison between the desert and the swamp and how they're both these like geographical features that two episodes are based around and are so imposing on the team and the whole episode and i feel like this episode does not that the swamp is bad but it just does a re really good job and probably a better job of depicting the the feature that they're in and how imposing it is um and like everyone was talking about they they do have such attention to detail when building out what the desert is and what it does to everyone. Um, I, I also really enjoyed Sokka's little trip this episode. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. And it actually made me laugh a couple times. We see Katara at her one of her best moments in the entire show. 
Um, and we do even have some action in there with the Iroh and Zuko side of things. We hear about the White Lotus for the first time. And the end is just so powerful that there's almost nothing like that in the whole show, really. So, um, yeah, I'll give it a seven. Hmm. I think I give it an eight because of a couple of reasons, but here's why. Uh, I think this is one of the first episodes where I feel like the characters in the show are really authentically themselves. Like, if that makes sense, like if it's almost as if they wake up in this episode, at least for Aang, because for the longest time, he just plays this like goofball kid that like nothing really affects him. Like, yeah, him seeing like Monkey Atsu in episode, you know, in the first half of season one was powerful, but it, it seems kind of scripted, you know, um, but at least here, Aang becomes so overwhelmed with emotion. He becomes so mad that he kills something, which probably goes against every pore in his body, like the covenant he made with you know his religion and everything. And I think it really demonstrates fairly well how you can get lost in your emotion and anger, um, whereas every other trial that Aang and the team avatars faced before he never got this mad. And mm -hmm. then I feel like kind of taking Sokka out of commission here, uh, going on his little trip also <laughs> allows Katara to shine, as you said, Anand, and also kind of taking Toph out of the equation too, because she can't really do anything because she can't see, um, allows her to become a lot more responsible and show sides of her that we didn't get to see before because the whole stargazing thing that kind of gloss over, but that's something you would expect Sokka to knew to know, right? Like that mm -hmm. navigating mm -hmm. the oceans or whatever. But clearly, Katara has the wherewithal to do it here. Um, and yeah, the whole setup with learning about the White Lotus and all that world bending is also just really, really fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I also gave it a seven. I think my I think the one thing I thought initially when I was like, okay, like, I feel like it's not higher than that is I just thought the Iron Zuko part was kind of boring. I think it's cool because we do find out about the Order of the White Lotus, which is obviously essential to the whole show. And I think we said the last episode was the halfway point, but I think this episode is the actual halfway point because there are 30 episodes before this and 30 episodes after this. Um, so again, it's cool that they set up the White Lotus just in time for them to become super important in the finale, I guess. Uh, yeah, for to we saw the, the Lion Turtles and the White Lotus already. Yeah, so, yeah. In the first half of the show. Exactly. Um, but I think I had pretty low expectations coming into this episode because honestly, I couldn't remember anything that happened in it except for the cactus juice part probably mm -hmm. but I was really blown away by how raw and emotional it is and there's some action but I think most of all we just get to see the characters shine and I think that's what's so great about Avatar is they can just be doing whatever it doesn't even matter um, and the characters are just so compelling and I think it's also I think even the plot, even though like is super good, I think even though they're not trying to do much except escape the desert, I think they're it's obviously a very dire situation and it's kind of like those survivor shows. And I feel like people are always into it because you actually never really know what's going to happen. Like you have hmm. no idea how they're going to get out. And yeah, I don't know. So it's it's compelling because of that, I think, because 
you just really don't know how they're going to handle the situation. Um, Sokka is obviously very funny and I think Katara really shines and I'm so glad to see her assume this role in the group. And I think she just keeps getting better from here on out. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's one of her best moments in the show and probably is, but she has so many great moments after this too, that I think she really like grows up in a way um, mm-hmm. after this episode. So yeah, a seven quite solid despite not really remembering too much of what happens. Um, So that concludes this episode of the podcast. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed our discussion of the desert. As always, we release on WhatsApp on Wednesday. So we'll see you next time for our discussion of the Serpent's Pass. If you want to stay up to date on when we release or submit thoughts or questions on any of the episodes, be sure to follow us on Instagram at at what's underscore appa, or you can email us at whatsappapod at gmail.com. Also, subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this episode, be sure to hit us with a five-star rating. Okay, thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Play me, O'Hotman. <laughs>